0: Evan, and uh, I'll be reading Galatians 2 11 through 14. But when Caiaphas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barabbas, excuse me, had, had Daniel, I asked Daniel before just to make sure, but that's still it up. <laughs> was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Uh, please join me in prayer. Uh, hey God, just thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for Wednesday nights, which are always a great time to come together and to worship you and to grow closer to you. Um, to do it
1: awesome as it comes up and raise your word. We pray. Amen. Thank you, Evan. Um, and it's good to be back in Paris Yates. Everybody was really excited. Uh, This is only, I think, my third time in Paris Yates, so I'm learning to love it. It's it's been great. It's really pretty in here. But uh, if this is one of your, like, first times to RUF, I just want to welcome you. I know it can, like, maybe feel awkward to you. You don't know anybody walking in here. I've heard people call this an intimidating place to walk into. So I just want to, like, applaud your courage, if it's your first or second time coming, uh, just for trying us out. We're grateful. And if it's your, like... 500th time to RUF. Uh, I want to applaud your courage as well because we all know that students are in uh, different places, but the one thing that we have a conviction about in our ministry is that students need to hear about grace. They need to hear about Jesus, and you chose uh, by grace to, to give us your Wednesday night, so we're thankful. Um, this Wednesday night and the previous Wednesday nights and uh, going forward will be In this, uh, in Yates, but we've been walking through the book of Galatians. We've been walking through the book of Galatians where the apostle Paul is writing this kind of like angry letter to this church that he's concerned about because he's calling them back to believe the gospel. They've fallen victim to some bad thoughts. They've fallen victim to a different lifestyle that isn't freeing, isn't good, isn't loving. And he's calling them back to Jesus Christ. So we're trying to learn what does it look like to be free in Jesus? And how do we apply that to our lives before we dive into our passage tonight uh it was convenient that we asked what favorite tv show we were watching uh i'm gonna start with a parks and rec scene if y'all have seen parks and rec uh it's great you'll you'll know this but if you haven't seen parks and rec there's this famous character called jerry gergich uh, you actually don't know like the first two seasons he's jerry then he's gary then he's larry uh and the point is like nobody knows his name because nobody wants to know his name He's kind of just the butt of every joke. He's like the, the, um, the one that everybody like chooses to make fun of, like looks down on. And there's a scene at the end of, kind of near the end of Parson Wreck, where Jerry is retiring. And we're faced with this dilemma. Two characters start to talk. This guy named Tom. This guy Tom asks, what are we, who are we going to make fun of when Jerry leaves? And Ron Swanson, this kind of intimidating, kind of old, wise guy, he says, don't worry, Tom. Every office I've ever worked in has a Jerry. When one leaves, the office naturally selects another one to fill that role. It's interesting. Like We went these whole three or four seasons thinking that the reason they made fun of Jerry was because of Jerry. And yet we find out, as Ron Swanson helps us find out, that there was something more going on. Um, That the reason they made fun of Jerry wasn't really about Jerry. It was something inside of them that made them want to cut him down. That made him want to be the butt of every joke. This scene kind of reminded me a little bit of that, about this passage that we find in Galatians. Because we're, what we're going to start learning in Galatians is not just this heavy doctrine. Meaning, not just this heavy you know, belief and understanding that we relate to God based on a relationship with grace. What Paul actually is getting at now, in, in this story especially, is that grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ, impacts not only how we relate to God, but how we relate to one another. How we relate to one another and how we treat other people. So, we're going to look at this passage in three points that you see on your sheet uh, freedom from comfort zones, freedom from fearful communities, and freedom to love. So, if you've been paying attention the last couple of weeks, uh, you've seen that Paul has started to illustrate his doctrine, illustrate what he's trying to get across through stories. Two weeks ago, we looked at Paul's own conversion story at the end of Galatians 1. Last week, we looked at this story about Paul, Barnabas, and Titus going to this place in Jerusalem to talk to these people. So in our passage today, like Cephas, that actually means Peter. The week before, last week, Paul went to to talk to Peter about an issue that he had. And we learned about, um, about how the gospel applies to that situation. This week... We see a story where Peter didn't go to Paul, or uh, Paul didn't go to Peter, but we see that Peter ends up going to Paul. Paul is ministering in the city called Antioch, and Peter decides that he wants to go visit and see what's going on in this church. Now, before we get to this big conflict, this fight, uh, we have to understand a little bit about why this became an issue and why this was so important for us to understand. And I don't suppose that any of y'all know like what Antioch is. But if you were to think about Antioch, Antioch is like New York. It's this huge, metropolitan, diverse city. And the church in Antioch reflected that diversity. There were Egyptian Christians, Ethiopian Christians, Turkish Christians, Syrian Christians, Greek Christians, even a few Jewish Christians. And we have to understand before we're too hard on Peter that when Peter left Jerusalem, went to Antioch, this church experience was unlike anything he had ever experienced in his life these people didn't talk like him these people didn't smell like him they weren't eating the foods he was eating peter's home church was full of people for the most part just like him other former jews other jewish christians that were trying to figure out how to live faithfully in this world so we have to understand that this was going to make him feel uncomfortable If you've ever been the minority in a group, you know that there's a natural discomfort to it. And Peter was choosing, in love, to go and try to visit and see how God was at work there. This scene, this kind of discomfort, uh, you know, we're we're kind of a community that's built on just like providing our comfort. But this summer, uh, at Summer Conference, RUF Summer Conference, shameless plug, you need to go to RUF Summer Conference, it's great. But this year at RUF Summer Conference, the worship leaders actually tried kind of an experiment. It was really interesting Instead of like appealing to the large majority of people, like the style we like, the, tr- the songs we're used to, they decided to bring up an African-American band, like students that were in RUFs at HBCUs all over the country. And instead of doing like traditional hymns, they were doing gospel hymns. And they were inviting us to clap their hands and like, y'all, nobody would clap their hands when they were invited to clap their hands. They were trying to get us to like sway and yell and respond. And we were all just like, oh my goodness. Um... So, it was interesting to hear and even to observe how uncomfortable we are when we're encountering things and people and traditions and cultures that aren't like us. I mean, I remember talking to some students after this, talking to other campus ministers, and like some people were like, that was really cool. Like, it's really neat to see how different communities worship. Some people were like, I don't even think that's true worship. You know, it wasn't theologically correct. I've got a problem with this and this and this. Some people just hated it. The point in saying that is I think this discomfort raises some questions that I think the church in Galatia was going through. As the gospel spread out into the world, away from Jerusalem and into the whole Near Eastern world, there was this question that they were asking, the same question that we often ask too. Is Christianity just for a certain culture? Is it just to be expressed in a certain way? Or can being a Christian... If we believe the same tenets about who Jesus is, what he's done, can it be expressed in a different way, in a different style, by different people in different cultures? And I actually think in verse 12, we find our answer. Like I said, before we're too hard on Peter, we have to observe that when Cephas came, when Peter came, he was eating with the Gentiles. Here is this uh, the most prominent figure in the early church, the most important figure. The most Jewish figure in the early church, besides Jesus, sitting down at a table, communing, embracing people that weren't like him. Even embracing their particular nuances on how they served each other, how they loved each other, how they expressed love for Jesus. What this shows us is that the gospel naturally will push us out of our comfort zone that it's not just for a particular culture. It's not anti-culture as if we don't bring our own kind of baggage to the way we worship and the way we talk and the way we think. The gospel is cross-cultural. The gospel is about uniting people that would normally be divided on things that aren't actually important. What the gospel says is the most important thing that we need to be united on is that we are sinners and that need to be saved by grace. And if we can unite around that, You know, Jesus is reconciling the world to himself. That means we're going to be in eternity with each other. If we can unite around the gospel, that means we can move out of our comfort zones and leave all this stuff that we love to think we're superior for, love to think we're better than other people for. We can actually let that fall by the wayside. Somebody made a joke about Harry Potter uh, that who hasn't read the books about Harry Potter. Like, y'all, I haven't read the books I really haven't. Uh, I have not watched the Marvel movies. And you know, like a lot of our students, even our staff is like super judgy about that. I get it. Um, but you know, like as silly as that example is, like my staff, my, our students, y'all don't care that I like golf YouTube videos. Y'all don't care that I like smoking meat. But the reason we gather, the reason we're united, yeah, smoking meat's awesome. We're having a cookout at my house for freshmen on, uh, on Tuesday, next Tuesday. They're going to make fun of me. Um, anyway, look, what's beautiful about Christian community is there's no really other community in which we're used to uniting with people that don't care about the same things we care, aren't from the same background. that that we're from don't express the same, uh, even cultural beliefs or assumptions that we have. What's beautiful about the gospel is that it pushes us out to be united to people who care about one essential thing, that God loves us and he relates to us according to his grace, and that's good news. So Peter affirms that, that we we are freedom to leave our comfort zones. But there's a problem, right? A problem in this passage that we encounter, a problem that we encounter in our world as we see how divided we are and us Christians, uh, we know if you've experienced the church before, are often not the best witness of unity either. We're divided too. So point number two, we're going to look at this. Why is this such a problem? Freedom from fearful communities. So things start to go wrong at this dinner party, this really awkward dinner party. In verse 12, when, Peter says, or when Paul says that this, this party called the circumcision party. Y'all, don't ever be part of a party that's called the circumcision party. Just a disclaimer. But honestly, um, what Paul is saying here and what Paul is trying to point out here is that this is the whole crowd that he's writing to, Gal- to the Galatians about. That there's these false teachers. There are these false witnesses that have infiltrated this church that are coming to say, hey, look, you know, Jesus is great. It's great to unite around how he brings salvation. But, you know, in order to be a legit Christian, in order to have assurance that God loves you and he smiles on you. You kind of you got to join our, our, our group. You kind of got to join our team. You got to start looking like us. You got to start talking like us. You got to become culturally Jewish. And when this group walks in, this group that Peter knew a lot about, he's from, their, he's from their side of the tracks. He looks just like them. He talks just like them. He likes the same things they like. When this group walks in, Peter kind of kind of gets scared. He falls into their trap. He gets up from the dinner. He leaves these other people behind mid-meal, and he says, look, I don't want to associate with them anymore. I'm going to go hang out with, with the cool kids. I'm going to go hang out with people that are like me. And what Paul actually says in verse 12 is important. When we ask what motivated Peter to get up from the table, what motivates us to fall into these sort of silly divisions? Verse 12, Paul says that it was fear. Fearing the circumcision party, he says, that motivated Peter. It wasn't doctrine, it wasn't belief, it wasn't conviction, it was fear. And I don't know about you all, but like Peter has always been such a relatable person to me. If you don't know anything about Peter, that's great. I'm glad you're here. But in the Gospels, when he's following Jesus, Peter's this like this roller coaster, really just unpredictable kind of guy. Like one moment he's so zealous in his love for Jesus that Jesus actually has to calm him down. And then other moments he's denying Jesus. He's denying that he even cares about him or is a Christian. Sometimes he's so secure in who he is and who he is in Christ and what he believes that he's sitting down with a diverse group of people at dinner, and then the next moment, he falls into peer pressure. He gets up. I think what this story has helped me understand is that the human condition, naturally, what we fall into, is that we're animated by fear. To be human is to be fearful. I mean, seriously, just ask yourself. I actually hated asking myself this, but how often does fear dominate your daily life? Fear of not succeeding, fear of not being cool, fear of being rejected, fear of people seeing who we really are, fear of judgment, fear of succeeding because all that pressure's on you now, fear of having no control, fear of being hurt, fear of being used, fear of death, fear of life. Fear is a part of us. It's in the air we breathe. It is an essential DNA of the human condition in sin, and it dominates us. And to be honest, unless we address fear, it actually grows. It metastasizes. Kendrick Lamar, y'all didn't think I would pull that reference, I know. Um, Kendrick Lamar, in his song, he actually has a song called Fear. And he says this, When I was 27, I grew accustomed to more fear, accumulated 10 times over throughout the years. Yo, at 27, Kendrick Lamar had made it. He was out of the danger of Compton. He was achieved all the celebrity, the safety, the security, the financial rewards that you would ever want or dream of. And what he is admitting to us is that, hey, the older you get, the more successful you get, the more accomplished you get, actually the more fearful you get, unless you address it. So how do we often address fear? What we see in this passage is that fear often loves to try to address itself just by finding more fearful people. Fear loves company. Um, it's these, this circumcision party was this group of people that were trying to you know, gather just to feel self-righteous, just to feel better. They were, they were gathering for, to help assuage or to placate all of their fears about their own insecurities. And y'all, we see this everywhere everywhere. We know and are a part of communities that are simply based on fear. We can talk about political parties, both sides, fear-based. We can even talk about like the fact that Ole Miss has existed for, I think, 180 years. African Americans have only been allowed to be admitted to this school for 60 years. The South has a dark stain of racial fear-based communities. But by way of this text, I just want to hopefully address what I think Paul is addressing throughout the book. That the way fear manifests itself in the church is not just political, not just racial. We have those problems. But often the most common, the most subversive way is through legalism. Through forming communities that are legalistic. Maybe you've heard that word before. But legalism is simply just the false belief that your standing before God is determined on your ability to live up to a certain standard. And that your mission as a legalist not only is to be perfect according to your own standard, but to make sure you notice all the imperfections of how those that are not like you are not living up to your expectations for them either. To be a legalist is to be motivated by fear. Fear that you're going to face judgment, fear that you're going to be cast out, fear that you're not lovable, but also fear that others might not be like you or might think about faithfulness a different way, might interpret things not like you. Uh, A movie Scarface Y'all got Kendrick Lamar and Scarface In this one point Uh, Scarface, the main character Tony Montana, he's this bad guy And he faces this group of kind of Legalistic people that he knows Are just like him, just doing Things that are more socially acceptable And Tony Montana says this When he confronts them, he says You know, you need people like me You need people like me So you can point your finger and say That's the bad guy So what makes you good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. You know how to lie. Do y'all not see this impulse in yourself? Am I the only one? One of my friends friends calls this like an addiction to what we call failure porn. Like we just love watching others fail. We love watching others not live up to our standards because we get excited that we feel a little more self-righteous in comparison. Paul sees Peter in this condition. Paul sees Peter resorting to fear, and he calls him out. He fights. What a model of Christian friendship. And that's, this is a side point, but like, do you have friends that will call you out when you're living in fear? Will they call you back to the gospel? Will they call you back to love? Which brings me to my last point, the freedom to love. So uh, The Office, another show. The Office, Robert California. creepiest boss in the entire world, Um, he has this episode, the Halloween episode, where he is walking around the office, he learns everybody's everybody's biggest fear, and he says this after he tells a crazy story that scares everyone, like appeals to everyone's fear, he goes to the camera, and he says, fear plays an interesting role in our lives, doesn't it? But how dare we let it motivate us? How dare we let it into our decision-making, into our livelihoods, into our relationships? so if you're like me, you encounter this text, you encounter Peter, who we know is most likely way more faithful than us, and you're like, so what's the solution? Fear is just an instinct to me. How do I get it out? How do I live differently, not animated by fear? 1 John four eighteen, it's one of the more beautiful passages in all of scripture. It says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Y'all hear that? That if we want fear to get out, to be cast out, love has to make its way in. Love has to get deep into our soul. And y'all see how Paul applies this in his text? Y'all, he doesn't combat Peter's fear with more fear-mongering. He doesn't call him out and say, like, you're the worst. You're You're not saved. You're an awful Christian. You know, I would never act like you. He says, essentially what he says, if you want to live like a Jew, all that stuff in verse 14, what he's essentially saying is, look, what are you doing? You know better. You know that you're free from having to care about all these things that these people care about. You know that you can live a life of love instead of enslaved to fear. Earlier in verse 14, Paul even tells us what motivates him to go and confront Peter. He says, he saw that Peter's conduct was out of step with the gospel. Out of step with the gospel. That word step just means to walk in a straight line. Uh, Essentially what Paul is saying is, look, there's there's a way about which we walk in life, how we operate in life, that will tell whether or not love has really made it into our hearts. And what Paul saw in Peter is that when he retreated back to fear, that he needed more love. He was out of step with the gospel. He was calling him back, not to more fear. He was calling him to the gospel that Jesus relates to him, not based on his self-righteousness, not based on his community, not based on his social club, not based on his resume. But that Jesus relates to him by grace, through faith, and his work on Peter's behalf. What Paul is saying is, look, you know you can believe that. You know, you can set all this foolish, fear-based decision-making beside. You know, you can actually participate in the life that God created you to live, which is love. The life that he modeled for you on the cross. You know, that's where joy is found. Y'all, I've been watching a lot of golf YouTube videos lately. Um, and it's, it's really frustrating. Like, I know y'all don't care about this, but like... Um, watching golf YouTube videos will make you crazy because I like think I have everything figured out. My, my goal has been like the perfect swing. So I think I have everything figured out. I've got it down in my head and then I go out into my backyard. This is real life. I have a lot of videos. I go out into my backyard and I film my swing and I'm like, oh my gosh, none of what I just learned applied itself to my actual swing. I look ridiculous. I can't fix that. My point being, did y'all know that 95%. It's reported 95% of our life is lived on the subconscious level. That really only 5% of the way we walk through life is actually informed by what we think, by what we believe. That 95% of our life is actually formed and walked out by these beliefs that have ingrained themselves into our soul. That's why I can't fix my golf swing because I have all these like muscle memory stuff that I can't fix yet. And I have to keep practicing and practicing. My point is this, love getting into our hearts is more about than just understanding love. The gospel making its way into our bones is actually gonna take us encountering our failures. It's gonna take practice. It's gonna take you having to look in the mirror or maybe a friend confronting you and having the humility to say, I actually don't think that I was believing the gospel in that moment. I actually don't think that love is animating my decisions, but fear is overtaking me. And my question is, as we kind of close, what's going to keep you going when you encounter all your failures as you try to love, as you try to get love worked in your bones? you got to go back to that passage, 1 John 4, 18. Perfect love casts out fear. What perfect love is, is that Jesus' love is unconditional. It's unending. It actually isn't going to be snatched away. He says in the Gospel of John that nobody will snatch them out of my hand. And that actually means that you can't snatch yourself out of Jesus' hands. That though you fail, and that 95% of you is still walking out of step with the Gospel, you're retreating to fear-based communities, you're... Staying in all your comfort zones. And when you try, you fail again and again and again. What Jesus says is your mind. And that gives you the freedom to go fail. It gives you the freedom to keep trying. I love that we don't, what we learn about Peter, and we'll close with this, is that Peter wasn't left in this conflict. Like, that's not the last we hear of Peter. In 1 Peter, uh, a letter written by Peter to Gentile believers, people that he isolated himself from. From in this passage, he says, This. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. What Peter's saying is, The reason I kept going, one, is because I need love worked into my heart because it's the only thing that I can really treasure and be secure in. But two, When I encountered all my failures, I also encountered the inheritance of Jesus' love that never perishes, spoils, or fades. It doesn't give up on me, and it won't let me go. So my invitation for you tonight, has love worked its way into your bones? Or are you still being animated by fear? My invitation is to call you back to walk in step with the gospel, meaning don't be better and get it together Be animated by Jesus' love. Embrace it. Know it's for you. That's our invitation, and that's good news. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you um, for your goodness to us in Jesus. We thank you that you left your comfort zone. You left and um, did not despise the shame of fearful communities. That you felt the freedom to love. Um, You left your throne to take on a cross so that we could be yours. Um, help that love work its way into our heart. Help it impact the way we not only relate to you, but relate to one another. Help it change our campus, change our ministry. Um, and it's in your son's name we pray, amen.
0: You guys can say